It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, before we get into the episode, you have to know that we're going to be coming at you live this Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific. And we will actually be in Wenatchee, Washington with their couples and families and parents talking about having the talks. But we're going to air it live to you as part of Monthly Live Date Night. Yeah. As you know, the talks are not easy. And a lot of parents have been um, asking, hey, we need a little bit more direction. We'd like to you know, help us have these discussions with our kids. Mm -hmm. So we are gonna provide a little bit of direction. So if you're interested in that, come and join us. So any couples can come, even if you don't have kids yet. Um, But this is especially for couples who bought the card deck and they're enjoying the cards. Maybe they've started some of those talks with their kids, but they need more guidance and they have questions that are burning. We are going to open the floor up for questions. Karina Hendricks will be joining us. She's the co-author of the project. And her sister. Yes, my sister. She will be joining us. She's a sex ed teacher and um, she'll be answering questions as well. So come and join us live. Just follow the link in the show notes. And it's this Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Join us. Hey, dear young married couple community. We recently got back from the Entree Leadership Summit in Orlando, Florida, and it was incredible. It was so cool. We learned a ton, and I'm sure we'll be bringing bits and pieces to you woven throughout our material in the coming weeks and months. Um, We wanted to start off with something that actually, we didn't get this content directly from Entree Leadership Summit, but it's tied and we'll tell you how. Yes, so um, in preparation for the summit, Chris uh, saw one of the speakers was Patrick Lincioni, or how do you say it? Patrick Lincioni. Okay, I did it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so she got the book and began reading it and raved about it the whole flight. Um, she read it during the flight. He's written many books, but it was one of his most popular yes, books. Yes, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Mm-hmm. And we decided after looking at those five dysfunctions, oh my word, this applies to not just in a corporate setting, but also applies in a marriage. Yeah. Um, we found actually that a lot of these concepts of leadership and everything else, um, our business, entrepreneurship, that's what you know we're involved with. Um, all of that ties into marriage and leadership and ministry. Absolutely. It all kind of works together. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you, if you guys have been listening for a while, you guys probably pick up on some of those themes in our, um, in what we do and what we talk about, just because, um, it's, it's true. A lot of these themes carry over. 
Right. So, A, we recommend the book. Yes. So go get it. We'll put link it in the show notes. Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, B, pull a pen and paper out and take some notes, even if it's just in your notes app on your phone. If you're listening, you know, maybe you're folding laundry. Um, don't do this if you're driving, but keep mental note and do it once you park. Um, but we want you to take some notes because this will transform the way that you function in your marriage. And even if you are, you know, working on a team at your job, in ministry, at your church, this will transform the way that you function as a team. So here we go. We're going to jump into the five dysfunctions of a team. Oh, P.S. Patrick Lencioni is coming out with an amazing book and resource that we can't wait to share with you. Um, so this particular book wasn't talked about at his um, during his talk at Entree Leadership Summit. But, you know, like Adam said, we want to share it with you because it's really good material as well. But we will be rolling out with some of his other material that's impacting us and our team here at Dear Young Married Couple and our marriage. Yes. So here we go. So the five dysfunctions of a team, um, he spells out the first are the, the gr- like, so he draws it as a triangle and the bottom a pyramid. Yeah. A pyramid. Mm-hmm. And the bottom, uh, would say maybe foundation would be trust. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't a corporate setting. This is in a, in a ministry setting. We see this as needing to be, and we'll, we'll spell it out, but also in a marriage, trust has to be there in order for um, everything else to thrive. Yeah. So the, dis- the dysfunction here, if we're talking about the five dysfunctions, is mm-hmm. lack of trust. Right. When there's lack of trust, the team will not flourish. And all the other functions of a team depend on trust. So if there's lack of trust, there's going to be so many other dysfunctions of this team. Um, now, yeah. you might be thinking, well, like, duh. You know, the team has to trust each other in order for them to be cohesive. Um, But we're not talking about just the kind of familiarity that you build when you're with someone a lot. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I trust them because I know them. Yeah, they're borrowing my flash drive, so. Right, right, right. Not that kind (laughs) of trust. I trust them. We're talking about, and this is is key to a lot of the work we do in counseling, Mm -hmm. but we're talking about a trust that breeds vulnerability. And it could go the opposite way of vulnerability that breeds right. trust. Right. Well, we need to trust that our team isn't holding back on us. Yeah. The worst thing for a leader is to group people together th- that are essentially their yes men or women. Mm-hmm. Right. They're just cheerleaders, but they're not really giving their perspectives. If we mm-hmm. trust, if there's trust going both ways, there has to be a freedom for someone to say, look, um, you know, I disagree with you here, yeah. or I, um, you know, I see something different yeah. and there has to be, di- there has to be a trust that everyone is willing to be vulnerable yes. to discuss the hard things that need to be discussed, discussed. Right. And so in terms of the team context or the leadership context, how do you foster this vulnerability? It starts with you as the leader being vulnerable. So in the marriage context, if you're not sensing this vulnerability in your marriage, it starts with you as the individual choosing to be vulnerable, choosing to admit your faults. Cause you know, we will go the extra mile and walk through fire for somebody who knows their own faults. We'll, we'll stand there and defend them. Right. 
But if they can't even admit their own faults, we're probably going to get on opposite teams and Mm -hmm. fight against rather than side by side, shoulder to shoulder. And what uh, Patrick says is that we have to protect that person from their own ego. Mm -hmm. Because generally we see people that can't be wrong, right? Or get defensive and instantly when you bring up their faults and you can't deal with something like that. So essentially they don't trust. Yeah. Um, There isn't a, a shared vulnerability or trust there. And they're not able to really see themselves. Yeah, that's the dysfunction is that the the team members feel like they have to protect the ego of that leader. So obviously in the context of marriage, if you're sensing a lack of vulnerability, you might feel, and this is codependency, Mm -hmm. you might feel the tendency to protect your spouse's ego. Mm -hmm. And so you, you... you know, maybe you don't bring things up and this leads us to the next dysfunction. Well, before you switch or go to the next, what we see as, um, what we talk about a lot actually in, in marriage. And that's why communication is talked about so much as being a cornerstone, um, Mm -hmm. skill for people to work on because if there isn't assertiveness, there isn't self-confidence that's built. And, um, if that isn't a good cycle happening in the marriage, if there isn't trust that criticism or hard feelings won't be held well, mm-hmm. then what will happen is we'll have to suppress and avoid. Yeah. When we avoid, avoiding things, it never stays the same inside of you. What happens is it starts to fester mm-hmm. like, a, like a, uh, an infection and it gets worse and worse and then that person starts to feel very controlled you could play this exact same thing out in a, in a ministry setting yep. or in a corporate setting. So what we do in order to foster that vulnerability is really become vulnerable ourselves. And that breaks that cycle of, um, you know, well, what we're worried about with being vulnerable is we don't want conflict. Right. And that's actually the second dysfunction of a team. Yeah, the studies show that it's not the number of arguments that determines how healthy the relationship is, but it's how those arguments are handled. So we were actually teaching a marriage retreat once, and this gentleman in the back, he had been married. He was an older gentleman. He had been married probably a couple, few decades. Yeah. And he says very proudly, well, my wife and I have never gotten into an argument and everyone's clapping for them right and we're just kind of looking at each other like how are we going to address this (laughs) and so the idea was like man you have a bad marriage if you are arguing and in reality we're thinking in that moment no you have an unhealthy marriage because you can't argue clearly and we don't know them so we don't know their specific situation but Clearly, there's a lack of vulnerability and there's a lack of uh, a fear of conflict, yeah. that there's going to be a consequence if a, if a conflict breaks out. You're two individual people. You're going to have conflict. Right. I think there's a presupposition there that conflict is bad. Yeah. And we are on the other side of it. Well, we're realists. <laughs> we know that conflict is actually a good thing. Because, uh, and we know it's inevitable, or it should be inevitable, because you are different. Yeah. God put two people together for a good reason. Mm-hmm. So that you, like, you are different, and those differences should bring out the best in both of you. Yeah. So conflict should be nothing more 
than the pursuit of truth. Yeah. Right? If if there is trust there. Right. That's the caveat. If there is trust there, conflict is nothing more than the pursuit of truth. So if I have confidence, if I have trust there, there's vulnerability there uh-huh. of our weaknesses, acknowledgement of our weaknesses, yep. then when we do get in a conflict, I know that she's going to be able to admit her weaknesses mm-hmm. and I'm going to be able to admit my weaknesses and that we are both striving for the truth together. Right. In fact, one of the goals when you're working through a conflict ought to be to help your spouse articulate their position. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you might think, oh, I want to discredit their position and I want to win. And so therefore they lose. <laughs> And if, as Jordan Peterson says, if, if you win a hundred thousand times and they lose a hundred thousand times, well then that's the end of a marriage. And he's like, or he said before that, uh, you're just married to a loser. He's like, and then, yeah. and then it's the end of a marriage. And then you really have some issues coming after that. So, you know, it's not about winning and losing, you know that, um, but help them win because when your team wins, because you've found truth together, you're pursuing truth in that conflict then you're not that much better as a team. One can put 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Yeah. And there has to be knowledge too, or this is another thing that's built. You develop confidence after a while that what you go through or that that uncertainty that you inevitably will have Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of your marriage around conflict, oh my goodness, like things are rocky. I'm not sure. Are we going to last? You know, um, but you'll start to build confidence as you go through hard things, as you discuss hard things that, Hey, we could do this. Mm -hmm. So when you do go into it, you have a pretty good idea that, Oh, you know, Chris is going to be able to handle this really well. We'll get through this. Mm -hmm. But if you never, or you do it badly or you, you avoid conflict what a lot of leaders do, um, you're not going to build that confidence well, things aren't going to be addressed, but you're also mm-hmm. not going to be able to confidence yeah. for, um, you know, continued, uh, conflict because conflict is necessary. It builds us, yeah. it helps us. It helps to redirect some things that need to be redirected because let's face it, no corporation, no ministry team and no marriage is perfect. There has to be corrections along the way. Yes. And so if we are avoiding cor- correction, if we're avoiding conflict, how are we going to redirect? How are mm-hmm. we going to become better? Yep. Yeah. So that, that's a really powerful takeaway from um, his book. Totally. And so we owe it to our spouse, our teammates, um, to encourage conflict, to foster right. that safe environment where the sharing of opinions can be had because it leads to the next dysfunction. If that's not there, then you won't have commitment. If you don't have buy-in because your opinion has been heard, um, then, you know, you won't, you won't have any, you you won't win further down the line, even if it's a good solution that you came up with, if they're not bought in, then you're not going to be a team. Well, we all know those people that, um, it's their way or the highway, right? And so people stop, just don't want to be on that team or with that person or under that ministry, just because they don't their good ideas are never heard. And I think uh, I would just kind of cross over here. I think that sometimes ministry or around ministries, um, this is a difficult side of it because mm-hmm. we at the expense of conflict, cause we don't want to hurt someone's feelings. So we nod and smile yeah. and, um, and then hopefully none of you, none of you, 
just us, right? <laughs> but behind their back, we're like, well, man, you know, they, that was a terrible idea. But we never opened that conflict up so that they mm-hmm. could see the true feelings. There isn't real vulnerability. There isn't trust build up. You see how these are yeah, they stack all, up. That's why it's a pyramid. You have to have trust at the bottom. You have to have the ability to engage in safe conflict on top of that. And, and let me highlight something you said mm-hmm. there. Safe conflict. Yeah. That's so important. There has to be a few consequences. Mm. Like if, if I know that I'm going to bring up something that's a conflict with my wife and I know I'm going to pay for it mm-hmm. for a week, I'm going to stop bringing stuff up unless it's huge. I'll suppress it. Yep. And and that's just a shadow war, you know, totally. <laughs> that's guerrilla warfare. We don't want that in the marriage yeah. or in a team or in a ministry. So we challenge you actually to back up to number two with, with regards to conflict. If there's fear of conflict, conflict because of the consequences that might be incurred, right? talk to your spouse, take some inventory. Do I fear, ask your spouse, do you fear consequences yeah. when you bring up something that's tense between the two of us or a potential difference of opinion or conflict? Yeah. And take inventory of that. If they are fearing something that you bring upon them, like your wrath is unleashed or you start avoiding or you give them the silent treatment or you belittle them. Like, yeah. let, let's go to like maybe the, the leadership side of it. Like if you are belittling or never take their, their uh, opinion seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's you know, people are going to start being silent when you really do need them to speak up. Right. Because maybe they're sitting there counting the cost Mm-hmm. of their involvement, which means that you don't get their buy-in. Exactly. You don't get their commitment. And that's number three. And we have to learn to push for people's commitment, mm-hmm. but also their input, right? Yeah. When people put their own ideas in, there there is buy-in. Totally. So that's something I think that leaders could do, but also marriages can mm-hmm. learn from as well. Pat Lencioni says, uh, if you don't weigh in, you don't buy in. Mm. So you need to encourage your spouse to weigh in. Even if you guys end up not going with that opinion, you guys might end up going with your original thought. But if you've, you've thought it through together and you've both weighed in, you're going to have a lot more buy-in from each other. And this goes for teams. This goes for ministry. This goes for companies. Make sure you're getting everyone to weigh in so that you can get everyone to buy in. Mm. And you might end up taking a combination of ideas and, and putting it together to make such a better idea. So true. The next, um, the next stage or level or dysfunction, there we Mm -hmm. go. Thank you. Um, would be the avoidance of accountability. Yeah. And let's just be real. So I've worked with people that have broken trust and, um, I know that the marriage will never survive without accountability or the willingness to engage in accountability Mm -hmm. because trust won't, um, you can't manufacture trust. Yeah. So that's so detrimental. So if there is trust, if there is a conflict, a healthy conflict, and then you have their commitment, it's much easier to get people's accountability mm-hmm. uh, or to for people to be accountable to each other. And that's the big thing. It's not just the people being accountable to their leader right well that we want to foster but we want to foster a place where it's peer pressure like the peer pressure it's peer pressure that want makes us want to do things right Mm -hmm. the right way yeah in the in the right time totally if we can't get commitment 
then we avoid accountability altogether from our peers, from our spouse. So if you don't feel that safety of like they're bought in, they're committed, uh, then why would you try to stay accountable to them and, and get that reciprocal accountability back and forth? You're not going to. Right. Yeah. And so then obviously the results fail. So you have to work on inviting that accountability because ultimately when there's no accountability over and over and over and over, that leads to divorce. Mm-hmm. And, and divorce is often, not always, divorce is often the option that people take when they want to avoid accountability because there was no commitment, there was no healthy conflict and buy-in and teamwork because there was no trust and yeah. vulnerability. It all trickles down. And this is such a difficult one, I think, for leaders because not all accountability is quantifiable. Mm-hmm. Like, if something just absolutely flops, right? Like a ministry or, a, you know, okay, we're talking business, you know, a product doesn't launch well, you know, that's easy to say, okay, how do we go wrong? Take it, you know, be mm-hmm. accountable for that. But sometimes, like, and this is what he, he makes this point. I think it's really well said. He says that behavioral accountability always precedes the results. So we so often focus on results and expect results to be good. But oftentimes we don't look at the behavioral accountability that mm-hmm. needs to happen before the results take, happen. Right. Right. It's you know, the results are just a lagging indicator of the behavior. Totally. And it's easy for a leader or a spouse to call someone often, not always, but it's often easy to call someone on the the quantitative accountability. Like, Hey, that didn't come to fruition. Why not? Right. And kind of like a harsh calling someone on the carpet and, (laughs) and making them be accountable for the quantifiable result or the lack of meeting a goal. But it's very rare that we take, we have courage to hold someone accountable for a behavioral issue, like having that behavioral accountability when there's no result, when it's gray, it's not about whether that comes to fruition or not. And you could be wrong. It's easier to just go, yeah, I don't know if I'm right here. I don't want to call them on it when it's, when I have no evidence for it being the wrong call. It could work. So I'll just wait and see. Yeah. And I think this is how a lot of spouses um, that suspected something going wrong in their marriage but never had the courage to bring it up until yes. something bad happened. Mm-hmm. We've seen this, you know, behavior drops. They don't, they don't talk about it. They don't stand up and right. conflict about it. Um, but they just let it go. And then we do end up with a worse mess mm-hmm. than before. That's why accountability is so incredibly important in an organization and a marriage. Like I think in the Bible, it talks about your body not being your own. You know, there is, you do have, you're not completely autonomous being a spouse, right? Your spouse does have ownership of you as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a shared ownership. That's part of, you know, the breakdown, I think between, you know, the trust, the lack of uh, commitment, conflict. Mm -hmm. It's, all of these play in at that point. Yeah. And so the last item, if all of these dysfunctions are present, so accountability is not there, there's a vo- an avoidance of accountability, then we're going to see an inattention to results. Yes. And so if we don't hold people accountable, they'll think the results don't matter. Now, the results are going to vary from group to group, 
marriage to marriage, mm-hmm. um, you know, ministry to ministry, company to company. Um, so what results are we looking for in a marriage? Well, we're looking for dynamite team, uh, fulfilling the mission that God called us to. We're looking for fruition. We're looking for, are for we taking creation? creation? Are we taking action yeah. to do what God called us to do? And so if we, are, if we don't have all those other things in place, and I think too often, especially in church circles, in a marriage, we focus on results only to the detriment of everything else. And so we're like, oh, what's our ministry? What's our calling? What's our mission? And that's good, but if we don't have all these other things in place, then we're going to stray away from those results. Mm-hmm. We will have an inattention to results. Right. Well, we, we see so many people burning themselves out for the results and neglect so many other aspects of their marriage. Yeah. So we would say, you know, take a step back and ask yourself, okay, how am I being accountable f- to my spouse, mm-hmm. to my family, for my health, for my um soul for for a lot of these other aspects um, that sometimes we avoid in order to get or we avoid it don't look at it because we want results Mm -hmm. but sometimes we have to be patient for the results and and you probably both want the same thing you both want the same outcome the same results whether that's in a ministry we want to win souls you know whether and and build people in the kingdom whether that's in a marriage you know we want to fulfill the purpose that God has for us as as husband and wife, as parents, as lovers, as ministers. Uh, We probably both want the same thing, but you can make your spouse, your teammate, think that you don't care about the results if you're not staying accountable, committed, have a healthy sense of conflict and input, and and have trust, right? Mm -hmm. You, You make your spouse think you don't care about those results, when in reality, you probably do. Um, so you you have to build that foundation of those other essential components of a team. Right. So good. Um, I think you'd enjoy this book if you read it. Yes. Um, and go backwards. If you're not getting the results you want, mm-hmm. maybe you need to look at the level of accountability in your behaviors. Yeah. Maybe if you're, if your behaviors and you know, like you have those in place, like you could kind of step through these and ask, you know, like, is there commitment there? Is there conflict there yeah is there trust there and it really helps you start to pin down where are the areas that you need to work on in order to get the results you want to see in your marriage in your ministry or in your business so we encourage you take some inventory this is one of those like gut check you know make sure you're being real with yourself and your spouse and ask each other where are we in each of these areas build the pyramid on your own piece of paper and and say how are we doing here how are we yeah. doing here? Where's the bottleneck? Exactly. Yeah. If everything else is flowing, where where is the place that is constricted in your growth, where you're going, where you're trying to go? All right. So we are looking forward to hearing how you guys, how your conversation goes after watching or listening to this episode. So connect with us, shoot us a DM, drop a comment, tell us your thoughts and tell us how this conversation goes with your spouse. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.